0: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's, it's, it's time to talk that talk and we talk it like no one else. This is the stinking truth. Now, here's your host, Mark Schlereth. Hey, welcome into the Sink Truth Podcast. Mark Schler, alongside my co-host, Mike Evans. And uh, week eight in the books. Had a great game in Washington, D.C. as the Philadelphia Eagles beat the uh, Washington Commanders 38-31. Had a great game. It was fun, man. A lot of fun. But, Mike, man, how was your weekend? Weekend was great. Good football. Uh, yeah, let's start right there. Um, they, they've played two entertaining games, haven't they, in the last month philadelphia and washington and mm-hmm. philly winning both of them yeah well i mean that's what the better team tends to do right they mm-hmm. figure out w- what they have to do at the end of the day to 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 win i think I what well, ultimately it, is that that secret sauce there that that philly has well i one thing i always say and i said this in the open about philadelphia how do you want us to beat you mm-hmm. you know do you want us to cram it down your throat in the run game the power run game you want us to get the finesse run game going you want us to throw it underneath to our backs you want to throw us short. Uh, or just want to beat you over the top? What, like, which way do you want to beat us? But I think one of the things, um, and we'll talk deeper in this game as we do the leftovers podcast later on today as well. And uh, we'll break down, I've got all my boards here from the game. So we'll break down um, all the things that were talked about in the meetings in that game and, um, and you know, really take you inside to Washington, into Philadelphia. But um, they are a very skilled football team that is uh, really based on, Mike, on just their ability to just dominate both lines of scrimmage. They are built from the inside out. So don't let don't let the skill fool you. They will absolutely eviscerate you, just annihilate you on both lines of scrimmage. And that's ultimately who they are. I, I will say this. There are certain matchups, um, and this goes way back, you know, just – back to my day and and just as, as part, it's endemic of the league in general. There are those matchups to just, for whatever reason, from a confidence standpoint, your scheme matches up well with our scheme. Our players match up well to your players. Whatever it is where you're always going to get tight, competitive games when two teams line up against each other, even if one is significantly better record-wise than the other one. And that just seems to be what Philadelphia and Washington bring to the table when these two teams play. A.J. Brown's a man. Yeah, set a uh, all-time National Football League record, right? Six games in a row with over 125 receiving yards. Yeah, we've gone 131, 175, 127, 131, 137, 130, and five touchdowns over that span. Yeah. Talk about a guy who plays above the X's and O's. Yeah. Uh, Yes, and, and the details and just the strong hands, the physical nature with which he plays. Uh, he's just a complete football player, you know, and it rubs off on the rest of the team. And, you know, he and Jalen Hurts are best buddies, and, and they've been for a while. And, um, and there's a connection, a natural connection that they have. And, and obviously, it's it's unbelievable what they've been able to accomplish here down the stretch. And yet and yet, you know, I mean, if you talk to people in Philly, they're still pissed off about the Eagles because they're like seven one, not good enough. Yeah. Like, we should be better than this, you know, and our coordinators are idiots and this, that, and the other. But um but I tell you what, that's a that's a damn good football team. And I, I probably wouldn't hesitate to say that I think the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. Well, we'll we'll talk about a team that we, we thought was right there with with and why, mm-hmm. why don't we just do that then because San Francisco has lost three in a row right I gotta ask the question that everybody is asking around football right now has the clock struck midnight for Brock Purdy is the Cinderella run right. over uh I'm gonna and I, and I would tell you like I would tell you anything no I mean like the way they're built, the way San Francisco is built, it's so funny because we all put it, and I just want to look at I just want to look at something really quick. We all put it <clears throat> on Brock Purdy, right? Because he plays quarterback and it's a quarterback-driven league, and you know, it's all about quarterback and, and, and three weeks ago, Brock Purdy was, you know, the leading candidate for the NFL MVP and yada, 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 yada. The way this team is built, they're built like the Eagles. They're gonna run the ball. They're gonna dominate in the run game. They're gonna set up their play action. They're gonna throw it over the top, you know, and 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 create one-on-one matchups in their play action. And they're gonna dominate on defense with a great rotation up front with their front, you know, their front four. They got eight guys, they rotate and all that kind of stuff. That's how they're built. This was Joe Burrow, twenty-eight of thirty-two, almost completing ninety percent of his passes, two hundred and eighty-three yards, three touchdowns. That's Joe Burrow. So we can sit here and say, hey, man, the clock struck midnight on the quarterback, and uh uh-oh, you're getting exposed, and Brock Purdy. like We didn't think necessarily that Brock Purdy was going to sling you on his back and lead you to the promised land. Brock Purdy was operating within the context of that offense, and that offense was about... Dominating a line of scrimmage, using formations and using motions and using shifts to create opportunities for the defense to play on their heels and to have to communicate and to have to, you know, just from one strength to the next strength to the next strength and then creating an edge in the running game where you get a a backer to shift one way and all of a sudden you create a six inch space where now I've got my block and an angle on my block for my guard or for my tight end that's going to create that opportunity to run the ball. And then we're going to do the same kind of stuff and boop we're going to beat you with the with a play action. Like that was who they were and playing great defense to create those opportunities. Like defensively the last couple of weeks, they you know, they haven't played that way, and so until they get that rectified and scored away, because that's how they're built. They're they're built to me like like the Eagles are built. They're built to beat you up on lines of scrimmage and and to win by orchestrating their offense the way they the way they're structured or the way they're built to win. All right, so I'm making it trying to make it a Brock Purdy issue. You're saying it's a 49er issue. So where Correct. where should the the panic meter be if you're a 49er fan? Because this is a team that three weeks ago we was, the ca- the we yeah. was the best team in the NFL. Casually talking about as the best team in the NFL, the best team in the NFL should not be losing three games in a row. No, and and right now you are looking at, the, at this team in the Forty Nine ers. They went from what five and zero to five and three, and Seattle is ahead of them in the division right now at five and two. And you know, I mean, you I, like I knew Seattle would be good, and I knew Seattle would be competitive within that division, but I didn't think they usurp. You know, like record-wise, I didn't think they usurp San Francisco, and so yeah, there should be a panic. There should be a panic meter. And remember, like their defensive coordinator, D'Amico Ryan's got the head coaching job of the Houston Texans, and he's made a difference over there. And I believe Steve Wilks came in to be that defensive coordinator. And there's always going to be some growing pains. There's always going to be some nuanced changes. There's always going to be some things that you have to work through, and you know, I I get that, but you were so good early, and you've really scuffled here of late. And so those are those are the things that I would look at and say we've got to be way better than we've been in the things that we hang our hat on, right? That the our our main tenants. The, this is who we are. The identity of the Niners. The identity is where the the core of this team, I think, has been shook a little bit, and and that's a problem. Ready for a hot take? Yeah, I am ready for it. Yeah, yeah, go. Most dangerous team right now in the AFC is Cincinnati Bengals. You know, in the AFC, whole AFC. They're only 4 and 3, I know, but I think they right. are the most You talk about the team that nobody's going to want to play? Yeah, Cincinnati Bengals. They are they are getting hot right now and like I did I did the Bengals, I did a Bengals Tennessee game probably week 4, Mike, and maybe week 3. And Tennessee throttled them in the game. They just throttled them. But they were still trying to figure out, they're still trying to figure out Joe Burrow and his calf. And and they're an interesting, they're an interesting team because of the way they play. You know, they are are so quarterback dominant and so shotgun heavy. And so, hey man, like we we operate on time, but when things aren't on time, our quarterback bails us out. Like that's the offensive strategy, and which is which is crazy because I I really like Zach Taylor. I love talking to him. We had a great conversation, and you know, and he was he was great with his like football acumen, the things they're trying to to do. Um, but it it is all heavily dependent on Joe Burrow. I don't know that there's another quarterback in the league. I'm, I'm sure there is. Um. Maybe Mahomes is this way to agree, but I don't know that there's anybody that they'd lump more on top of than than Joe Burrow. They're like, here you go, like take it over and go, go find a way for us to win. And like normally he's able to do that. And now that his calf is to a point where he can escape and he can get away from you know, from trouble and he can extend plays and he can do all those things. Um, they're a dangerous football team, a really dangerous football team. And I will say this defensively: like defensively, um, what's the uh, what's the coordinators' name? Lou um, and Arumo. Lou is a great dude, a really smart coordinator. They've got outstanding players on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, outstanding players, and they're multiple. So they do a lot of different things and they do a lot of different things well and they can take all these different concepts like they can play cover 2 and they can say okay we're going to play cover 2 but defensive ends you're going to be the flat defenders and you know and we're going to rotate you know safeties down and we're going to play you know invert a corner is going to play where the safety normally play and just a lot of you know a, just a lot of different things they're going to bring blitz pressures and we're going to play zone drops and and you know and this that so we're bringing that corner in a cover 2 but we're dropping the end out there so we're still only rushing four but like it there's a lot of things but he has an ability to make it simple for his players And I always find the best coaches or the best players have an ability to make it simple for themselves, right? You can take a very complex thought or complex play or complex um, concept and you can boil it down and make it really simple for yourself. And Lou has a great way about him with making it simple. And I think that defense is – is probably one of those defenses. Logan Wilson, a couple of those guys, is just vastly underrated. Trey Hendrickson coming off the edge. Some of the other guys they have. It's just a, a vastly probably underrated defense that a lot of people don't haven't or don't know about or haven't really watched. You're talking about Joe Burrow being one of those eraser type quarterbacks, uh-huh. right? When it all goes to hell, there's there's the eraser a quarterback. Patrick Mahomes you referenced is normally one of those quarterbacks, but what do you know? Hell froze over. Charlie Brown finally got a chance to kick the football. The Denver Broncos beat the Chiefs, snapping a 16-game losing streak to Kansas City. Mahomes, two interceptions. Chiefs turned the ball over five times. Was was this a case of, of the Broncos actually finally showing some spine? Or was this just... A bad day for Kansas City. Pay no attention well, to it. No, I think it was. I think it was complimentary football at its core. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm, I just thought about this tweet I saw, and I want to give whoever wrote this tweet credit. I think I retweeted it, but I may not have. But it was because it was just to me. It was just funny. Um, oh, here it is, right here. It is B H uh, O O K N Z. So, uh, whoever that is at B H O O K N Z, it's like I've always said, no one, and I mean no one, beats the Denver Broncos 17 <laughs> straight times in a row. So that just made me laugh, right? Like, hey, man, ain't nobody beating us 17, no 16, okay, but nobody's getting us 17 straight times in a row. Uh, touche to, to you, whatever, whatever you are, or whoever you are, but, um, I think there's a formula there. And I thought defensively they played exceptionally well. And it and it's funny because just a few weeks ago we were like, fire everybody. I was ready to fire everybody. Yes. Like, everybody. Like strip it down to the studs. Right. Fire everybody. They gave up 70. 70 to the Miami Dolphins. And yet here you are holding the Kansas City Chiefs to nine without a touchdown. I mean, absolutely unbelievable flying around on defense and they've made some defensive changes they've changed the cornerback they've changed the nickelback they've changed they, they've they've changed some defensive rush guys you know some edge present guys uh they got Browning back from injury he's a he's a starter now so they've changed some guys the way they're playing their scheme a little bit and um they're flying around they're making plays and then against Kansas City they basically took the ball out of their quarterback's hands which, you know, you're, you're paying a guy, how much money are you paying him? $230 bucks, And you're saying, hey, we're only going to let you throw it 19 times? They ran it 40 times. And they're starting running back, and Williams only had, I mean, had 27 carries, but he only averaged 3.1 yards per carry. But I've always said this, and you know I'm big on this. Attempts are important. Attempts are more important than yards per carry to me. What it does for you in the play-action game, what it does for you to wear a defense out, what it does for you from setting a tone of physicality and doing all that stuff, and what that does for your defense, the complementary nature of football. You pound people like that, you possess, you get first downs. One thing on the other sideline, you know, as as an offensive coordinator, head coach Andy Reid, you start counting possessions in the second quarter. You're like, oh, shoot. Like, first quarter, we had one possession. And now you're going, uh oh, well, like, we may, we may, this game may get squeezed from a normal 11, 12 possession game down to a seven possession game. So now how are we going to score? So you change, from a play calling standpoint, it starts messing with your mind, right? Uh oh, like, now I got to, I got to score every time. So now you get out of balance while they're just pummeling you. You're out of balance, and you're out of your your normal play-calling sequences. And so that's one of those things that, that will happen to you um, in a situation like this. So the Broncos basically say, hey, man, we're going to take our defense off the field. We're going to give you guys an opportunity to make your adjustments, to get your rest so that you can play at a high level, and we're just going to grind it out over here, only letting our quarterback throw it 19 times, Mike. And they had about a... Almost a ten-minute time of possession, like that—that that matters. That stuff matters, and there's a there's a formula coming out of Dove Valley, coming out of the Broncos facility. Now, what about Kansas City? A lot of built-in. Reasons or excuses that you could use for the way they played. They had just beaten the Broncos yeah. two weeks ago. Right? Maybe the motivation isn't the same. A team that you dominated 16 straight times. Mahomes has the flu. Uh, you, you know you're going over to Germany next week to play Tyreek Hill and the Dolphins. Heck, even right down to Taylor Swift wasn't at the game. And Travis Kelsey's numbers drop in half when she's not at the games. I know, I know, but... The numbers don't lie. So are these just a bunch of odd things that kind of conspired against Kansas City? Or do you come out of this performance if you're the Chiefs kind of concerned about some well, things? Well, I think, I think for the Chiefs, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think for the Chiefs, you've got to have a level of concern based upon all these years that you've dominated offensively. You don't have those same offensive dominant players. Now Rice to me looks like a guy that has something about him that, like that guy looks like he could become, you know, and he's in that he's in that growth process. Like he could become a dominant player, but you look at the rest of the receiving core. Eh. I mean, Travis Kelsey and but eh. wasn't that last year too?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster, Juju
0: Smith-Schuster, uh, like it just feels, but it does it not feel? It feels different? different. Yeah, it feels different, and um, and ultimately, you look at them right now. I mean, defense is, has really been leading the charge for the Kansas City Chiefs, and then if Travis Kelsey doesn't have one of them nine receptions, hundred and twenty-yard type of game with two touchdowns, like we call that a Taylor game, a Taylor game, a, a Swifty If he didn't have a Swifty game. You know, I mean, numbers don't lie. No, Taylor Swift is ruining the Kansas City Chiefs, or she's the key to the Kansas City Chiefs. Either or, either or, right? But it, I mean, she can't show up to every game. Is she going to be in Germany? There's a loss. <laughs> she didn't go to Germany. There's <laughs> a loss. are oh, already blaming lo- Don't start blaming losses on Taylor. So if you do not want the Swifties coming after you, you oh, do I not. Did. Come get it to you, Swifties. Oh, no, 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 no. I know you've had your battles with Philly fan and Jet fan. This is a whole other level. You don't want that. You don't want the smoke. Oh, I want the smoke. You don't want the smoke. I want the smoke. You don't want the Swifties. Taylor Swift cost the Bronco or cost the Chiefs a win against the Broncos. Her selfishness has cost the Chiefs and will cost them again if she doesn't show up to Germany. Hey, it's been fun working with you. (laughs) See ya. Come on. You're done. No, I'm not. You're done. No, they don't care. Done. Mark Schlereth. They, they don't. The Swifties don't know who I am. You were talking about quarterback-receiver combinations, Jalen Hurts and A.J. And, uh, Brown. A reminder, Dak Prescott to C.D. Lamb is pretty good. Yeah. As that was on display, Dak uh, went uh, great numbers, 25 of 31, 300 yards, four touchdowns. C.D. Lamb, 12 catches, 158 yards, and two touchdowns. That's one of those performances, right, where, man... Dallas, the Cowboys, these are the kind of performances where you can dream big if you're a Cowboy fan. Yeah. What they're capable of. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're an interesting team to me because just when you think they're not going to show up and play well, I mean, they, they, they put it on the Rams. Then, now, there's part of me that looks at the Rams and says, okay, wait, no, what, what Like, what's happened to the Rams? And there's two things that happen to coaches in this league in my mind. They lose like their ability to dominate the line of scrimmage, like they, they spend all their money outside the numbers, you know, with receivers and everything else, and they lose their ability to dominate the line of scrimmage and then they realize they can't actually block guys and, and they can't actually protect their quarterback and the next thing you know they become very average or they lose their quarterback. Like you look at, you know, the Oda McVay, all the guys that were coaching out of the Oda McVeigh. How good was uh Zach Taylor when when Joe Burrow was hurt? How good has uh has Matt LaFleur been now that Aaron Rodgers is gone? How good has Sean McVeigh been since, you know, you lost you lost Whitworth and you lost a couple of your other offensive linemen and you really haven't been able to dominate in the running game like you used to. Like you know, you always say it and it's hundred percent true. Um, how good is the greatest coach in NFL history been without Tom Brady? To me, you know that math symbol, greater than, yeah, less than? Yeah. Whenever you have the debate about or the combination of the great coach and the great quarterback, mm-hmm. it's always to me, quarterback, greatest right. Quarterback always, quarterbacks always greater than the coach. So the 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 Pac Man -Man mouth uh, 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 eats the quarterback because he's greater than. Correct. He's more delicious. Yes. So you want the the mouth goes to the thing that's most delicious. That's greater. Correct. I would rather eat this than that. Correct. Okay, so there we have it. We've solved life's little problems (laughs) with the uh with the greater than sign. Yeah, I feel bad for Kirk Cousins. That stinks. That stinks. You know, Here's the guy, a guy has never missed a game due to injury? He was having, I think, a career year. You? is and he, was, and he was set to be a free agent? He was awesome. He's playing great. And all of a sudden, Minnesota, you know, big win against San Francisco on, what, Monday night? And now, you know, going to Green Bay and putting it on. and Like, they, they were really rolling with Kirk. And, uh, yeah, they felt like it felt like, They were riding the ship, like they were getting their stuff together, and like Minnesota was going to make a run, maybe even a run at Detroit. And now, I I don't even – I call games for a living. I don't know who their backup is. Do you know who their backup is? Well, uh, Kevin O'Connell is not – he hasn't committed to anybody yet. Was that—is that gamesmanship, or or does he not know who their backup is either? (laughs) He doesn't know. Okay. No. All right, because I don't know. Maybe he doesn't know. Like, he's like, I don't know the guy. Never met him. We're not, we don't allow him in the quarterback meetings. Who? Who is it? Now I'm all, now no, I'm it's all. A, it's a J- uh, Jalen, uh, Jaron Hall. J- good old Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall from BYU. Oh, okay. But he didn't commit to Jaron Hall. He didn't commit? No. Okay. Well, he was three for four, so he's got to be good. There you go. Yeah. I mean, Kirk Cousins was putting it together. Another 23 of 31, 274 and two TDs. And then pop goes the weasel and the weasel goes pop. Will this hurt his free agent? Uh, not availability, I guess. Uh, his free agent attractiveness. Like, will, will teams look at him and say he's damaged goods or, you know, because he's coming off the Achilles and he's up there in age now? Or will they look and say, hey, he rehabbed it properly. Yeah. He'll come I, back stronger than ever. I, I don't and all I know is he was playing really good football before he got hurt. Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think it's gonna hurt him that much. And I think the other thing that you gotta look at is you see Aaron Rodgers throwing before the game. I mean, how many months is he out? A couple of months? Yeah. So you go directly to the guy who operated on Aaron's thing, you do that flip dee doop deep thing where they loop it around there and <laughs> You know, stretch. The egg. Is that what they do? Yeah, they, in they, your expert medical Yeah, opinion? so they sew it in there like this, and it goes just like this. It goes, and then it's fixed. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. I mean, so it takes no time at all to heal. Um, so it's like go to, one of those corsets that uh, right Victorian women use. Right. wear. just cinch it really right tight and get those. Yes, yes, it's like uh, it's like Spanx. It is like Spanx for your Achilles. Uh, you just soak it in and it sucks it all up, and then you're like, "Man, she is fine." And then she takes her stuff off, and you're like, "Ah, right." Um, that's not. I mean, put the corset back on. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Can you leave that stuff on, please? I've been sold a bad bill of goods. Um. Anyhow, so I, I mean, I mean, um. Yeah, I don't think it really I don't think it really hurts. I mean, obviously it hurts the Vikings yeah. because I thought they were really starting to play well. They and, might have climbed out of that 0 3 hole right. and, and gone to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely they may have. Did the Jets get away with one? It yes. sure looks like they got away with yes. if the whole idea we learned this with the Cowboys, uh, that you you just can't run up and give the ball to the center. And snap the ball that it has to go through the official. The official has to, has set, has to the set, set the that's ball. That's what I. That's what I was. That's uh, what, uh, what I was led boy, to understand. They under- played fast and loose with that yesterday. It looked like the center sna- uh, centered the ball, and the ref ran up and kind of you know touched it. Okay, mm. you know, put like his blessing on it, right? Uh, papal blessing. <laughs> uh, now you can snap it, yeah, right, right? 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 I think that clock should have
1: ran out. Zero. Yeah, should have hit zero. Yeah, they got lucky.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the way it goes, right? So um, that's like, I, you know, I said on my broadcast yesterday, I said, hey, listen, it's if they don't call, it's not a foul, <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> which I'm sure it's probably why uh was it against Phil. Was it the Phil? That's maybe why I got a lot of hate mail from the uh, Eagle fans during that game. Did you during the game? Well, like, like, yeah, like tweets and stuff, you know, they're, at, during the game, they're coming after you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They don't. They. But this Philly, Philly people in Philly are miserable anyhow. Like that's what they do. Like I appreciate Philly. I, I like Philly fans because they are like they're they're seven and one and everything with their organization's wrong right now. Well, they're a little bitter coming off the whole Philly's debacle. I understand. So that. I understand that. Just, but your football team, go Berts, is this seven and one. Like. But you're 7-1, and one and, you, you, I mean, I, 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 for, for like, Philly fan is like this. For every cloud, they can find the feces lining. Like, they just, like, hey, there's a cloud. I wonder what the crap lining is in that thing. Well, like, it's because it's Super Bowl or bust. If they do not win a Super Bowl, the season's a failure. Yeah? So that's the only way they can look at their football team it are, are, is what they're watching Super Bowl-winning material. Based upon what you've watched all season long, what do you say? Absolutely, right? Absolutely. I think they're the best team in the NFC. Where are they in the league? Based on Kansas City's loss. I are they the best team you, in the league? They're, yeah, they're the best team in the league right now. Yeah. And think about it. Brand new defensive coordinator, brand new offensive coordinator. They've got all kinds of different things that they're that, that like that they are working on. They're a work in progress. They're like, their numbers offensively are identical just about the last year except for turnovers. They've turned the ball over a bunch. And yet they still find themselves 7-1. and one. Yeah, I think they're the best team in football. Trade deadline coming up. Yes. Boy, we spend <laughs> countless hours, uh, all, all kinds of time and energy and articles and uh, debates about the trade deadline, and then it usually ends up being kind of – Anticlimactic. Do you expect this to be? There's I mean, there's always a few there's always a few trades here and there, but I, I think, you know, from a football perspective, it's really hard to to make a trade, right? And then look at like look at that trade, how impactful is that trade? And I think the other thing from a team standpoint is like all right, if we trade a guy now. What's the value? What's the market value of trading a guy now during the season, versus the market value of trading a guy in the off season? And I think this is where teams really struggle with trading in season, because when you trade in season, everybody seems to covet their draft picks a lot more in season. That there's, there's like this this free and loose feel in the off season, like it's a wild west. But right now. Everything is, is super tight. So you look at a guy like Kevin Byard, who just got traded to Philadelphia. Like, they traded a player, Philly traded a player they didn't want in Edmonds. Here you go. You can have him because, like, he, he hasn't been great. And then a fifth and sixth rounder for a guy who's an all-pro type player in Byard. So if that's the market, and then I, I think the, it comes down to this, Mike, is when you get into the offseason before the draft 31 teams are available to trade with right now there's only a handful of teams that are looking to bolster a, a certain part of their roster you know in the potential playoff team. so you limit you limit the number of teams that be, can become you know players in that so with without multiple teams bidding there's there's no escalating or no driving up the value in the and what you're going to get in return for that player so i think that's one of the reasons that usually it feels kind of anticlimactic well we'll see what deals go down and be able to react to them later in the week sounds good i appreciate it make sure you uh subscribe make sure you uh like make sure you send us a message make sure you uh do all those things and uh and uh by the way make sure you uh check out uh, further uh further uh episodes we've got. Uh, um, Uh, the Philadelphia-Washington game. We're going to do the leftovers, uh, so that'll be down here as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Stinky Truth Podcast. We will talk to you guys later in the week.